Hello again, fighting fans. Welcome to episode number 251 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel. Back after a couple weeks off. It feels like it's been months and months, but it's only been a few weeks. There just hasn't been a whole lot going on in January. But thankfully, we got back in action last week. Had a couple of good cards from Showtime. It was uh, it was actually a really good week with uh, for PBC on Showtime. They had uh, young guys fighting, not the biggest names in the world, but good 50-50 pick-up matchups. Uh, and that's what you want to see with young guys. Uh, several fighters put their O's on the line. A couple of impressive victories. So uh, a couple of guys really graduated from that uh, prospect slash pretender class to the legitimate contender, if not world champion class. So a uh, great week of fights. We'll talk about that. And we got a bunch of news to catch up on. But uh, first of all, super chat from Shafia Ahmed. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. He says that he's hyped up. Yeah, man, I'm hyped up to be back. You know, I was thinking it, it feels like it's been months since uh, since we've been on the air, but it's only been a couple of weeks. It just was a really slow, dry January. But we're back in action now. We've got some good stuff coming up. Quick reminder, if you have not picked up the latest issue of Ring Magazine, it is a Pretty badass flip cover, Tiafima Lopez on one cover, and then you flip it over, boom, there's Tyson Fury, our co-fighters of the year. Fury and Lopez, pretty badass issue with all of our best of 2020. And there were a few categories that we just could not fit in the actual magazine that we put over on the site, ringtv.com. So make sure you guys check that out. My assignment this year was round of the year, and that ended up going on the site. We just could not fit it in the magazine. So if you haven't checked any of that stuff out, uh, make sure that you do. Okay, let's jump right into news. We got some stuff to catch up on before we get into the review preview. A reminder, guys, uh, phones are open, so if you want to call in and chat, toll-free in the United States, 7787. If you're in the UK, it's 02081036051. And uh, otherwise, get on the chat here on YouTube. Let me make sure I got this uh, feeding properly here. All right, there we go. Live chat is up on YouTube. So uh, if you have a question or anything you want to get on the top of the list on the live chat there, just drop a super chat pledge and I'll make sure that I get it out there to everybody. All right, so the, the biggest news and rumors right now uh, is that this Manny Pacquiao, Ryan Garcia thing, right? You guys have seen it. There is a hilarious meme going around, a picture of Mr. Miyagi and Ralph Macchio from The Karate Kid, and it says Manny Pacquiao versus Ryan Garcia. It's hilarious because, you know, well, obvious, it's obvious why it's hilarious. Uh, man, some of the memes uh, on Twitter and stuff have just been outstanding. That Bernie Sanders meme, even I had to jump in on that. That was too much damn fun. But uh, so look, a lot of you guys have asked me, is this thing official? Is it bullshit? Is it just a negotiation ploy? What's going on here? I can tell you the latest and greatest. It has been discussed as an exhibition, and that has been shot down by Sean Gibbons. He has said that the details have not been ironed out yet. It's still in talks. Whether it's going to be an exhibition fight or a real fight, what weight class will be held at, glove size, all that sort of thing, it's all still being ironed out. So nothing is official right now, but talks are legitimately happening. As far as Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis, I don't know if those talks ever took place. Now, 
which side is to blame for that. I, I'm not even going to get into that roller coaster. All I'm going to say is uh, there's a track record with Javante Davis and his team. I think it's very obvious they have a certain business plan right now, what they want to do. They're going to pick on older guys, smaller guys, move it up in weight, and build a pay-per-view brand. And more power to them if that's their business model. I don't think they're interested in fighting any of the other young guns, whether it's Ryan Garcia, Tiafimo Lopez, any of these other guys, Shakur Stevenson, whoever else. They're just not going that route right now with Javante Davis. With Ryan Garcia, I think it's pretty obvious that they want to build his brand as well. He, he was, the, uh, the Luke Campbell fight was very, very successful. But if they were to get a fight with Manny Pacquiao, I tweeted this yesterday. I think it was last night. Man, a fight between Ryan Garcia and Manny Pacquiao, that generates more pay-per-view buys and, quite frankly, more web traffic, more social media traffic, more traffic in the mainstream sports media in general than a fight between Manny Pacquiao and either Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford. That's terrible. I hate that as much as you guys do, but that's the reality of the situation. And for Pacquiao, um, look, Ryan Garcia is just young enough, just cocky enough, and just flawed enough where the old man might be able to get to him. On the other side, Ryan Garcia is just young enough and explosive enough and confident enough to perhaps get to Manny Pacquiao in that fight. So it would be intriguing. You guys have asked me what I think about it. I don't love the fight. I don't hate it either. Would I rather see Ryan Garcia fight Javante Davis or Tiafima Lopez? Of course. Would I rather see Manny Pacquiao fight Errol Spence or uh, Terrence Crawford? Of course. Actually, I don't really care what Manny does at this point. I'd just rather see Spence and Crawford fight each other. But this is the era that we live in, guys. Boxing is so fractured. It's not two sides of the street like it used to be. There's like 10 sides of the street right now. And there's money to be had depending on what you want to do and where you want to go. So there's a million possibilities for Pacquiao. And there's been rumors for years that he was going to fight in Saudi Arabia and all these other countries around the world. And the money always falls through at the last second. You, you just never know what to expect with Pacquiao. So that's why, you know, I, I do think that there is a strong possibility he could fight Ryan Garcia. There's also a strong possibility that all this stuff falls through and we end up seeing Pacquiao against somebody at 147 and we see Ryan Garcia against somebody at 135, like Jorge Linares or somebody like that down the road. So, uh, look, we'll keep you posted. Make sure you're checking out Ring's Twitter feed. We're going to give you the latest and greatest. Uh, Michael Woods posted a story on ringtv.com last night that uh, broke down the latest and greatest news and rumors as it relates to this situation. We'll give it to you guys straight. Uh, of course, there's some people I saw on Twitter that couldn't help it, uh, you know, uh, saying that, uh, you know, we're going to be biased because Ryan Garcia is a golden boy fighter, blah, blah, blah. Look, that has nothing to do with it. We're just, I'm telling you guys the, the honest reality of this situation. Ryan Garcia and Manny Pacquiao is a big event. Is it the first fight I want? Is it the fifth or sixth fight I want? No, but I get the business economics of it. It is a strong possibility. Nothing's official. We'll leave it at that for now. Okay, so other news. Josh Warrington dumps his IBF title, says he wants to face Shu Khan or uh, Gary Russell Jr. later in the spring. He's going to end up fighting. Uh, I think he's got a fight with Lara right now. I can't remember. Uh, it's a Mexican fighter. Uh, you know, lower tier fighter. That was already scheduled. And what they were trying to do was do that fight as a stay busy kind of fight. And then in April, 
they reached out to both Russell's side and Khan's side and asked the IBF to sanction a unification fight with either of those two guys, and they were negotiating that. They wanted to do either of those fights in April. The IBF refused to sanction a unification fight or just a fight in general between Warrington and Russell or Warrington and Khan. So Warrington, they said he had to rematch Kid Galahad, who he had a very, very close fight with recently, and many people feel that he lost. So he got the decision, and Galahad went, won his next fight and became the mandatory again. The IBF has mandated that they have to do a rematch. All Warrington said is, I want one of these guys in April, and then we'll do the Galahad fight afterwards. IBF refused. So he dumps the IBF title. And he's going forward with this fight with Lara. And a lot of people are accusing him of ducking Kid Galahad. Now, I'm not going to go that far this quickly, okay? Uh, The timing of it looks bad, and the optics of it look really, really bad from Josh Warrington. And I don't blame anybody out there if you say he's avoiding Galahad. I get it, okay? But let's give the guy a little bit of time. Let's see what he does next. He's going to take business against Lara, which I think that fight's later this month, maybe early next month. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but if his next fight is against Shu Khan, or he ends up getting the fight with Gary Russell by the end of the year, those are the top three guys in the division between Warrington, Khan, and Russell. Those are the top three fighters in that division. So I don't look at it necessarily as a bad thing if they end up fighting each other. However, if he doesn't fight one of those two guys and continues to not fight Kid Galahad, that's a flat-out duck. So... Let's give him time here. Let's see what he does. I agree the optics don't look very good, but sometimes the timing of these things just gets in the way of business, and you don't know what they have negotiated behind the scenes, what they have set up down the road later this year. As I always tell you guys, uh, boxing promoters, boxing managers, they always try to work 6 to 12 months ahead. They have you know plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D ahead, Because all sorts of crazy things can happen in this sport at the last second. So uh, maybe there's something under the scenes that we don't quite know about yet that's cooking. I do know for sure that they were seriously talking about Warrington and Russell or Warrington and Khan for April. The IBF did not want to allow it. It would have been great if the IBF had allowed one of those fights and then the Galahad fight to the winner. That would have been best for all parties involved. But for better or worse... The IBF is one sanctioning group that always follows their rules. They will not bend them, even in certain instances where it would be beneficial to all parties involved, the fight fans, the sport of boxing as a whole, if they did follow or if they did bend their rules a little bit and have a little leeway. But the IBF faced legal troubles in the past. They don't want to go there again. They're not the most powerful and wealthy sanctioning organization. They can't afford something like that. So they play it right by their rules. That's the situation now with Josh Warrington. Okay, boxers behaving badly. Sergey Kovalev, remember the crusher? Remember that guy? Yeah. Uh, Boy, the muddy have fallen. Test positive for synthetic testosterone, not once, but twice. There were samples collected December 20th and January 13th. Both of those samples tested positive for synthetic testosterone. So... There's no possible tainted meat excuse here. There's no possible, oh, I was at my gym and they sell supplements and I bought something over the counter. This isn't something that you get in steak. This isn't something you get in a supplement. This is a synthetic. So Sergey Kovalev knowingly, willingly 
took this supplement, or supplement this uh, banned substance and ingested it. Not once, but twice. And December 20th and January 13th, man, that's almost a month apart. That's several weeks apart. So this guy was clearly planning to use this. Now, whether he was using it for recovery purposes, maybe there was an injury, whatever it is, he is getting up there in age. It's still banned. You're not supposed to do it. So uh, look, I saw there was one guy on Twitter, and I think Hamed, who, who's a, a big listener to the show, uh, sent, sent this to me. There, there was a guy on Twitter that tried to, because I blasted Sergey Kovalev on Twitter. Okay, okay, look, there is a pattern of behavior with this guy over the last few years, specifically. Things outside the ring and then troubles in the ring, inconsistencies in the ring, which, you know, some of that's forgivable, whatever, but the stuff outside the ring, there is just a track record with this guy. He's just a bag of shit. There's certain things that you just cannot explain or forgive or justify in any way, shape, or form. This latest thing is just another one of them. But I guess back in 2015, uh, I told people kind of what I just said about Josh Warrington a minute ago uh, when Sergey Kovalev had gotten in trouble uh, with Adana Stevenson. There was some back and forth between the two of them. Stevenson, I'm not going to say he started it, but he kind of struck first with certain comments, and then Sergey made some comments back. Obviously, Sergey Kovalev's comments caused more of an uproar among certain circles in the boxing universe. And um, I said back then, basically, I'm paraphrasing, uh, you know, hey, maybe there's a lost in translation issue here. There's a cultural issue or he's not understanding what he's saying, because that was the first time I had heard of Kovalev saying any kind of off color comments. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter save screen those two tweets from 2015 and tried to compare them to my tweet from last week, six years later. That's what these guys will do on Twitter, by the way. These guys are absolute degenerates. They're such losers. And he was trying to basically conflate my tweets in 2015, not necessarily defending Kovalev, but saying, hey, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. People make mistakes. He doesn't have a track record of this. Uh, maybe we're just uh, misinterpreting something. Maybe there's a cultural language issue here, so, You know, things like that. To my tweet from last week, basically blasting Kovalev, saying he's a complete F-up. He's a screw-up. He's he screwed up several times now. There's no forgiving this. I have no words. And he tried to say I'm being a hypocrite. These dudes took tweets six years apart from each other and tried to c- conflate them. By the way, they ignored dozens, if not hundreds, of other tweets that I made about Sergey Kovalev in between those two six-year periods. Uh, and, and that's just the way people do. Look, guys. Sergey Kovalev has screwed up enough times outside the ring. He has said things that have deeply offended people. He has uh, had issues with women, abuse, and now it has been uh, performance-enhancing drug issues on top of the, all the inconsistencies in training, uh, all the uh, bridges he's burned with some of the training habits and, and all that kind of stuff, and some of the poor performances and knockout losses and everything in the ring. He got his cash out against Canelo Alvarez, so good for him. You could argue with his in-ring accomplishments. He deserved that, okay? But I think this latest incident and some of the other things outside the ring have cost him a trip to the International Boxing Hall of Fame because more than anything, anything, some of the guy's verbiage and words that he's used have deeply offended people. And that seems to be words now more than anything else in the 21st century in 2021 seem to be the strongest thing 
I personally think that's weird. I think actions go way, way further. I care more about the person's actions and character more than their words because people slip up and say stupid things. Ding, I've done it plenty of times myself. But now we have enough action from Kovalev, things he's done, physically done, that shows uh, a complete lack of character in, in issues with his character. So I think all of these things have likely cost him a trip to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And that's a shame because I truly feel he beat Andre Ward in that first fight. And the little second run, however brief it was, that he went on when he beat Alvarez and a couple other decent fighters, uh, I thought that kind of punched his ticket one day in Canastota. But I don't know, man. This might cost him because, again, we live in a universe where people will take tweets and save screen them from six years ago to try to make a point, even if it's a weak point. But uh, with Kovalev, the way his words have, have deeply hurt and offended some people, I just I can't see him getting through to Canastota one day. It's a real shame, and it's 100% on him. He has nobody to blame but himself. As far as where I'm at right now with him, good riddance. He should just hang him up. Why, why continue to fight if you have to take synthetic testosterone to even get in the ring? Like, like, what are you doing, man? You got your cash out against Canelo. Do one farewell fight in Russia and, and call it a day. All right, one last item here before we get to the review, guys. Uh, Clarissa Shields is going to be headlining an all-female pay-per-view on, I think, Fight TV, which is a streaming platform, I think a, a, a website. Um, in I don't know if it's in a month or two. It's coming up. I, I don't even know the date, to be honest with you. So a few of you have asked me about this, and, and I've asked you guys about it too on Twitter. I, I actually tweeted out, um, who will sell more pay-per-views, Clarissa Shields or this Don King card coming up this Friday, which I'll talk about here in a minute. And most of you said the Don King card will sell more. So there are some people out there that just shit on women's boxing, I think, in a, in a nasty way. And there, there is a bit of sexism to it. There's just maybe they're trolling. I don't know. I don't like it. But there is some legitimacy to the criticism of women's boxing, saying that the talent pool just isn't there and the marquee fighters aren't there, and the action, the knockouts and everything aren't there. So, And that's, what, that's how I stand on women's boxing. When you have good matchups and good fighters fighting, I'm interested. I want to check it out. I watched when Brekus fought McCaskill. Those are two good fighters. I watched when, uh, when Katie Taylor fought uh, Persoon, the, the rematch. Two good fighters. I'll be interested. But Clarissa Shields says a lot of divisive things on her social media, a lot. Some of it racially divisive, but a lot of it sexually, gender specific. And she thinks in her mind that she is as accomplished as the male fighters. She talks about the six world, or I'm sorry, the eight world titles she's won, titles in three different weight classes, all these different things. That, those are all true. Those are facts. But once you kind of look through the... the um, the fine print a little bit, you know, in between the black and white into that gray area, what you see is that uh, six of the eight world titles she's won were vacant. And all three of the divisions that she's competed in, I've talked about this before, I think there's less than 120 fighters in all three divisions that are even licensed professional fighters on earth right now. So she's the best out of like 100 fighters. That's good. 
but it's not great. It's not the same as being the best out of thousands of fighters, which Teofimo Lopez is right now. He is the best out of thousands and thousands of fighters around the world in a division, the lightweight division, that's been around a man's, men's boxing for over a century, that has had hundreds of outstanding, outstanding fighters in it. I'm talking about Hall of Fame level, elite level type of fighters. Hundreds of them have competed in the 135-pound division. That is the division that Tiafima Lopez currently is the, the king of. Clarissa Shields, she's not on that level. And I just think that there's people talking in her ear and she doesn't understand the reality of the situation. There's a little, little bit of delusion there. And I think there's going to be some, um, a little bit of a rude awakening with, with this pay-per-view card. Now, me saying that, it's not me rooting against it. I'm not rooting against this pay-per-view card. I want all boxing to succeed. I hope this card says a million pay-per-views. That'd be awesome for boxing. It proved me wrong and I'd be a true believer at that point and I'd just shut up and, and own that. I'd smash a pie in my face if it sold a million pay-per-view buys. I'd do it right here live on the show. But that's not going to happen. So I, maybe this thing does 50,000 pay-per-view buys, and the majority of people buying it would be doing it for woke political reasons. They'd be doing it to support whatever political thing that, that they're pushing, whatever agenda, more so than, oh, man, I can't wait to see this fight. I don't even know the girl Clarissa's fighting, but she does not belong on a pay-per-view Neither does Clarissa. That, that's the honest truth. The, the most accomplished women's fighter in the world right now is uh, Katie Taylor, and she doesn't belong on pay-per-view, not here in the United States anyway. So that, that's the reality of the situation there, guys. Um, that wraps it up with news and notes. We'll get to the review in just a second, but we got a caller on the line, so we'll jump over to the phones here real quick. 818, you are on TNC. Go. What's up, Mike? What's up? Hey, man. Uh, what's I hope you're well, bro. Out where you at? Um, yeah, man. Just call in. Um, just talk about a few things. Uh, for example, the first uh, the Showtime this Saturday, the box with Leo and uh, Fulton. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that, man? I thought that that was a great card, man. I thought um, Leonard Ellaby and Mayweather Promotions and Tom Brown with TGB Promotions they did a great job with those matchups. They were. 50-50 matchups. The first fight was, yeah, that was okay. But the, the co-main and the main event were solid fights, man. And I thought that uh, Aleem and Fulton really, really impressed. I was very impressed with their performance. Yeah, man, I agree. Yeah, you know, actually, all the the whole card, the the whole uh, fight cards were pretty, you know, they're they're entertaining. I've got to give it up to Mayweather Promotions this time, you know. Yeah. Never really a fan of their uh, their, you know, fights most of the time but this one it, it actually did a lot for uh for me at least that that weekend since there wasn't really that much boxing you know going on but yeah man leo and fulton what a what a fight bro it was just uh i had to watch like three times just to you know get it in in my head how good these guys actually are and uh, what a what a great performance they gave to the fans but uh hopefully uh yeah i see them again and um in the future uh really interested to see what fulton can do in that division with uh, the rest of the the fighters in that division. But um, another thing with Kovalev, bro, you're talking about that. You know, Twitter, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm on Twitter here and there, but only for boxing. I don't really get into anything else and all that, you know. But, damn, bro, there's a lot of people that just are, like, wish, how should I say, they're just way in too deep in that Twitter world, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, yeah. like, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. But it's like anyways, a bubble, you know, Kovalev, I mean, 
It, it, yeah, 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 exactly. Some of these people, I swear to God, bro, they wake up in the morning just looking for something to be offended about, and they have to find something to be mad about, something to fight about. And that's why sometimes, man, I just post jokes and memes and shit and just try to have fun. And there's some colleagues of mine, you know, in, in boxing and the media, they're like, Mike, that's not very professional. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to lighten this shit up because it's so nasty on Twitter, man. It's just nasty, bro. Yeah, it, it, that's true, man. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not on Twitter too, you know, too much to to really get into all the BS in there, you know. But the things that I, the few things that I see here and there, I was like, wow, really? This is this is really what it's gotten to. But you know, um, with the Kovalev thing, though, bro, it's like he, he he was a good fighter. Don't get me wrong, you know. Um, I, personally, me, I, I didn't think he he's that great. You know, um, he just has that European style of uh, boxing that uh, it's pretty much, you know, uh, any American boxer can really beat, in my opinion, you know, and he has been beaten. But, um, you know, to, to, to just going downhill from where he was before, it's just kind of sad to see um, because at the end, he, he, did, he did give us some exciting fights, you know. Mm-hmm. And as a boxing fan, that's kind of pretty much all I care about. I don't really no, I don't care about his personal life or what I don't know the guy, you know, but yeah. if he has done what he has done and we you know what he's gone through, then that just sucks, you know, as a human being. But, um, you know, hopefully we'll see he's the last of him. Uh, I mean, I, I really don't care for him anymore as a fighter anymore. He hasn't really been doing much, but, uh, you know, maybe he'll, you know, get his life straightened out or whatever. But, uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's just, for me, it's just about the boxing, you know? Um, and, uh, I don't really want to care for him to see him anymore. But uh, other than that, man, um, I really want to talk to you about uh, that uh, that Canelo. Uh, what, what do you think he's fighting next after? I mean, you know, he's fighting this Yildrum guy. Right. But I was hoping he'd be fighting Caleb Plant next, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, even though I really want him to fight Benavidez, but, I mean, it looks like he's going to fight Saunders, which, uh, I mean, it's, it's a good fight. But, you know, I, I prefer uh, Plant over him. I, I do too, but... Probably what we're going to get this year, bro. And I didn't catch your name, man. What's your name? Oh, Ace, bro. I'm from I'm from uh, Ventura County. Ace from Ventura. Oh, Ace from Ventura. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like it, bro. Uh, it, honestly, man, what we're going to get this year, if if uh, you know, if somebody held a gun to my head and asked me, it, we're going to get Canelo versus Yildirim, and then it's going to be Canelo Saunders in May, and it's probably going to be the third Canelo Golovkin fight in September. That's probably what we're going to get. Would I rather see him fight Plant or Benavidez? Hell yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Plant and Benavidez will fight each other later this year, probably in the fall, and it will be on Fox pay-per-view. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, that's another thing. You posted you know, about the pay-per-views on, uh, on, on Twitter, some about pay-per-views, about not having to buy and all that. I totally agree, bro. You know, um, I was one of those you know, back in the day. I I just bought every single pay per view, no matter what it was, every single pay per view, you know. But you know, lately, in the past what couple of years or so, you know what? I'm more selective now. You know, um, I'm not buying no more pay per views I don't feel are you know are worthy. You know, I'll overpay for a pay per view that's worthy, but I won't pay for a pay per view that's not worthy. You know what I'm saying? And and that, that's what, that's how it really should be. You know, and I mean, hopefully. More people like you know that are, that are my position of thinking will lead to better pay per view fights from these promoters. Saying, hey, man, we're not selling these, but we got to get you know better pay per views. 
But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just I'm just done with buying these uh, uh, non-worthy pay-per-views. But you know, you give me a, a good hit, uh, main event and a good you know a good undercard, I, I'll, I'll pay. I'll overpay for that, you know. But it's just getting uh, and uh, you know what? I, hopefully, ESPN is, is going to be putting on better uh, fight cards. Uh, I feel like they are getting you know better fights. Uh, like lately, they've been getting better on regular ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, that's kind of the trend because. Uh, you know, I think pay-per-view right now is just it's not a good idea for these promoters. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people that say similar things, man. Um, back in the 90s, the 80s, the 90s, even the early 2000s, there was really only one place to get pay-per-views. I mean, it was boxing. Boxing ran pay-per-view. There was WWE and stuff like that, but people know what that is. I mean, that's scripted. And if, you, if you're if you into it, cool. You can have fun with wrestling, but like a real sport for pay-per-view, it was boxing. Well, now there's other games in town, man. There, there's MMA. UFC is huge in the United States. They stack their pay-per-views with fights that their fans love. So boxing is not the only show in town. And when you have <clears> – <throat> it used to just pretty much be Don King and Bob Arum in the United States. It was HBO and Showtime, and they would battle back and forth. Man, now you've got several different platforms and all these different promoters – and they kind of just market to their own little fan base. It's so frag- fragmented and so fractured. I'm with you, man. The pay-per-views are really killing the sport, man. And the, the entity that's been doing it the most here in America has been PBC. I really hope they stop doing yeah. it, but I don't think they will. I, I think you're going to get four or five pay-per-views from PBC every year going forward. That's what they're going to do. Uh, look, I love Caleb Plant and David Benavides. That's a great fight, dude. But in the 90s, that'd be HBO Boxing After Dark. That would not be pay-per-view. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I, I totally agree, man. And it's a shame, you know, it's a shame because they're kind of, you know, holding back their uh, potential to actually become bigger stars, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, the only the only one that's really holding it down, in my opinion, right now with good fights, and, you know, it has to be said, man, it's the zone. The zone really is you know, giving fans, you know, uh, value for their money. Um, everybody else, you know, aside from ESPN, like I said, they were putting in some good fights and some fights that I would actually, you know, um, even if they put on ESPN plus I, I pay for, you know, cause it's not that expensive anyways, but the zone it, they're there. I got to give pops to them. I'm not, you know, uh, being a boxing fan, mm-hmm. they're giving me value. You know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, a hundred bucks for a whole year. Come on now, you know, you know, if you're if you're a boxing yeah. fan, you really gotta you know support I'm them. With but you, if, man. They had they had a rough 2020 because of COVID, but if uh, they could keep you know stacking the cards, you know, and not have a delay, man, for a hundred dollars, and you know, like I sound like I work for the Zone and I'm you know promoting their brand. I'm not trying to, but a hundred dollars is only twenty dollars more than one of these pay per views on PBC or or from yeah. uh, you know top rank. So you're paying just twenty dollars more, and you get a whole year's worth of cards. Now, when they had the World Boxing Super Series, and they have stuff from Golden Boy, they have stuff from Matchroom, they've had stuff from other uh, smaller, you know, pro- mid-level promoters. Dude, it's been all right. If you're if you're a die-hard fight fan, that's a hundred dollars well spent. So I hope they have a good 2021. I hope everybody does, man. But uh, Ace, I, I got to run, bro. We got oh, yeah. another call here. I, I want to jump to. But good call, brother. Handle it, bro. Take care. All right, man. All right, we got one more uh, quick call here, guys, and then I'm going to jump to the review. Let me uh, 
Oh, 213, this is LA. Hell yeah. That's my area code. 213, you're on TNC. Go. 213, you're on the show. Uh oh. All right, 213, you got one. One more chance. Answer the line. 213. That's my announcer guy voice. Nope, 213 is not going to answer. We got an official knockdown. Oh, a knockdown here on TNC. 213, if uh, if you could hear me, but you just couldn't, I couldn't hear you or something, call back. Call back. Anyone from L.A., call any damn time. Yeah, even though I live here in Atlanta, I still got the 213 area code on my phone. I'm never getting rid of that, man. <clears throat> that was my area code for 10 years. I just can't see myself switching over to the Atlanta area code, but maybe that will change one day. We shall see. Okay, um, <clears throat> let's jump to the review. So we had two cards last week. A lot of you guys forgot that there is a Showbox card Wednesday, January 20th at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, uh, Connecticut. PBC on Showtime. It's the 20th year anniversary of Showbox. I love the Showbox series. You think of all the champions they have built, all of the O's that have gone away on that show, on that series, I should say. Uh, all the pretenders that have been exposed, all the contenders that have been exposed um, into you know the real deal. What a great series, man. That series symbolizes what young fighters should be doing, what it's all about, fighting each other. You know what I'm saying? So um, I love that, that series. Anyway, um, there were two, two fights. There were supposed to be three, but uh, one of the fights got canceled last minute. There were two fights on this card. In the main event, American fighter Mike Quan Williams improved to 16-0-1. He's a 140-pound prospect out of Connecticut. He, he grew up, uh, I think, just outside Hartford. So he was right by the casino. I think he grew up like 40 minutes away. So it was kind of a hometown fight for him. Unfortunately, there were no fans in attendance. Uh, because of the COVID protocols. He scores a unanimous decision win over Gabriel Solano. Yes, Gabriel Solano, his first L. So that was a good performance by Williams, really controlled the whole fight. I got to say, the one complaint, and by the way, I covered this card for ringtv.com. So if you want to see my write-ups on these uh, two fights, go find it on Ring's site. But the Showtime broadcasts, I think you guys have done a fantastic job. Good fights last week. You got to put some music on or something. Play some music in between rounds. Play some crowd noise. <clears throat> I like how PBC on Fox has crowd noise. I know it's generic and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just like a tape or something, but it's still, it works for me. It's too damn quiet on these cars. It sounds like a library. Libraries may have more noise, seriously, because you can hear roaches running across the ground and shit in a library. This was just too damn quiet, way too stale, and it took away I thought, from the fights, particularly the great fights we saw on Saturday night. So my suggestion to, uh, I think it's Tom Mazzulli running the show there at the casino there in uh, Connecticut. And, of course, everybody at PBC Showtime, get some music in between rounds. Get some music playing, DJ something in between rounds, and pump in some generic crowd noise or something during the round to help. I think ESPN's doing a version of that. Fox has been doing a version of that. It just helps the broadcast. These stale uh, – look, man, everyone's over the COVID bullshit, for real. The election's over. You guys got it. So let go of all that stuff. Open things back up. If you want to keep it closed, cool, but pump in some noise because the stale thing is it, just taken away, and um, it, it's hurting the broadcast, in my opinion. Anyway, 
Saturday, January 23rd, back at the Mohegan Sun, uh, PBC on Showtime again. As I said before, good week by PBC on Showtime. Really solid week. Two nice cards from those guys. The 122-pound division got really shaken up on Saturday night. So in the co-main, Raiz Alim approved to 18-0 with 12 knockouts, TKO 11 win over Victor Pasillas, who uh, I think suffered his first defeat as a pro as well. Knocked down in the second, sixth, ninth, and 11th rounds before the fight was finally stopped. Let's talk about this real quick. Raiz Alim, who uh, we're going to have on the show soon. I actually talked to his publicist over the weekend. Weren't able to get him on uh, today, but we're going to get him on in February. So um, I like this kid. Now, he's out of Muskegon, Michigan. I'm a Detroit native, so he is a homeboy. He's from the same state. So, you know, there's that thing going. But other than that, I like the style he fights with because it's so unorthodox. You just don't know where his punches are going to come from. He's also very vulnerable to get hit uh, because he lunges. He leaves himself way out there. He punches wide a lot of times, and you can nail him right down the middle. He's got to tighten that up as he moves up in opposition. But it's a lot of fun to watch because it's just very, very unique and different. And I thought he really stepped up to the plate in this fight and performed well. I picked him to win this fight. I picked Fulton to win, too, in the main event. So my picks were good. My picks with the NFL last night, I was one one for two. So I was okay. But um, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. He does have, uh, other than boxing, he's done other martial arts like karate and things like that. So I think that's part of why his stance in, in Everything is so crazy, but this dude has insane conditioning to be able to fight the way he fights. He throws hard punches from crazy angles, punches and bunches, a lot of movement, crazy, crazy upper body movement and footwork. And he started to gas a little bit late in the fight, but not enough to where it was going to cause him to lose. He still put the pressure on, knocked his opponent down and got him out of there late. So there's a crazy motor on Raiz Salim. Crazy, crazy conditioning. This dude is super conditioned. And uh, I'd like to see what he could do stepping up against the top 10. Now, here's the question. Do you put Aleem in the top 10? This is something that we were discussing on the ring ratings panel over the weekend. That's a loaded division, man. In fact, I need to pull it up right now, guys, because that division, I, I will admit, I've been sleeping on it somewhat. I knew it was a good division. I didn't know it was this damn good. Uh, it just the top 10 is so loaded. I don't know where you put Raiz Alim in there. All right, come on now. I'm trying to Google ring ratings, and it took me to some other site. What the hell is going on, Google? Okay, let me pull it up. And by the way, whether you call it junior featherweight or super bantamweight, we call it junior featherweight at ring. I think that makes a lot more sense. But either way, it's 122. Now, right now at number one, we've got Ray Vargas ranked. 34-0, fighter out of Mexico. But... He dumped his 122 title, and he's been talking about a move to 126. It's not official yet, but I can tell you guys right now that Vargas, his next fight's going to be at 126. So I think we're going to take him off the, the 122 ratings. That means Akhmadayalev is number one right now at 122. He's the unified champ, coming off that great win last year. Daniel Roman's right behind him. Iwasa's right there, Brandon Figueroa. You got Angelo Leo, who we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, Teshi Gawara, Kameda, Hovanesian, and Stephen Fulton, who we'll talk about in a second. So with these two fights over the weekend, I think this whole division got shook up. I do think Alim belongs in the top 10, but where? 
I think Fulton certainly belongs in the top five, but where? So that's where I'm curious what you guys think, man. Uh, let's talk about Stephen Fulton real quick, and then we'll go back to the ratings for that division. 19 and 0 with eight, eight knockouts, unanimous decision win over Angelo Leo takes his WBO 122 pound title. So, um, by the way, this was a PBC broadcast. A WBO title was involved. I have to bring this up again. I, I just have to bring this up. Uh, I like the cards last week from Showtime on PBC. Good start. PBC on Showtime, good stuff. Great matchmaking. But I thought you guys didn't recognize the WBO titles. That's what you've been telling us for years now as it relates to the welterweight situation with Terrence Crawford. You guys didn't even put the WBO in your graphics, yet – you just had a card where the main event featured a WBO title on the line. It looks a little bit hypocritical. I'm just going to put that out there, okay? Uh, so there's that. But Stephen Fulton performed beautifully in this fight, beating Angelo Leo at his own game. Looked really good on the inside. Of course, looked strong at mid-range and on the outside. Uh, utilized very good movement, but bullied the bully to a certain extent. Uh, I thought just showed uh, flashes of, of real uh, brilliance in this fight. It was a fantastic performance from um, – hang on one second, guys. I just had a call interrupt the show, so I got to pull this back up. There we go. All right. Sorry about that for those of you watching on YouTube. But when someone calls in the middle of the show, it just jacks up the video. Uh, but anyway, Stephen Fulton – Performed brilliantly. This was really a coming out party from him, and he brings a title back to Philadelphia, a city that used to be synonymous with boxing champions. Not so much so these days. So he is the latest champion from Philly, a city rich with traditional boxing history, and he adds uh, to that now. Where do you put Stephen Fulton? The only thing I think that holds him back skill-wise is he's not a big puncher. He has eight knockout wins now in 19 professional fights. He is not an elite-level puncher. That's going to possibly hold him back against the very, very best of the best. But right now, man, I, I, I think Akhmedayalev's number one. I think Roman's number two. Maybe you put Iwasa at number three. And then you put Fulton right there at number four. Uh, or maybe you can have Fulton as high as number three. But I think number three or number four in the junior featherweight division is where he belongs. I think he proved that. Outstanding win by Stephen Fulton. And I want to see what he does next in 2021. I hope his team doesn't kind of sleep on this and sit on it and just, you know, uh, enjoy the victory. I hope they get right back to work, man. I hope they come right back in the ring maybe in April or something like that. And he fights at least three times this year that's it for the review guys let's jump to the preview we are let's see we're about 43 minutes into the show and we will wrap it up with the preview so this friday january 29th i gotta talk about this damn card hard rock hotel hollywood florida i'm gonna call this the wba is a joke card from don king remember him he's still doing boxing apparently he's putting on a card and i guess it's a pay-per-view this Friday in Florida, in the main event, Manuel Char going up against Trevor Bryan. And believe it or not, that's for a heavyweight title. Beirut Shubadev in the co-main going up against Rafael Murphy. And that is for a cruiserweight title. And then Berman Stavern fighting TBA 
on the undercard. He has had three fights in the last six years, one and three in those fights, by the way. His one win against Derek Rossi, although in his losses, he was fighting uh, good opposition, so I'll give him that. But holy hell, this is a pay-per-view? Wow. How the money have fallen when, when it comes to Don King. If you buy this and you enjoy it, good for you. You know, it's your money. Spend away. If you're interested in this and you think these are good fights and you want to spend the money, go for it. That's awesome. But I think I have to go on a little rant right now about the WBA. So bear with me. This Friday, assuming it goes through, because Manuel Chara apparently is having travel issues getting out of Germany to the United States. But assuming it goes through this Friday, Manuel Chara is going to fight Trevor Bryan for a piece of the WBA Heavyweight Championship. Now, everybody and their mother that follows boxing, even casual observers of the sport, they know the top two heavyweights in the sport are Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua holds the WBA Super Championship. And I can't even remember who the hell has the interim belt. But this fight between Char and Brian is for the WBA Regular Heavyweight Championship. Mind you, Char last fought in November of 2017. So over three years ago, he hasn't fought in over three years. Brian last fought in August of 2018. Do the math there. That's almost two and a half years. So you have one guy who hasn't fought in over three years, one guy who hasn't fought in over two years, and they're fighting for a piece of the WBA heavyweight championship of the world. This will be marketed as a fight to determine the champion of the world. Think about that for a second. And people wonder why the WBA is a joke and everyone laughs at them. Why I call them will belt anything because that's what the WBA truly stands for. Now, in the co-main, Beibut Shubinev, who at his best was a, a solid light heavyweight. You go back almost a decade. Not a great one, but a pretty good light heavyweight. Uh, held a title, actually I think a couple titles for a while there before he lost to Bernard Hopkins. He is going up against Raphael Murphy. If you haven't heard of him, don't feel bad. I work in this sport, and I haven't heard of him. I checked out his resume, though. Only three of his opponents have winning records. He has an absolutely dreadful resume. However, oh, and I should mention, Shumanev last fought in July of 2018, two and a half years ago. However, these two are fighting for the WBA Cruiserweight Championship. Everybody and their mother knows that the legitimate cruiserweight champion of the world is Marius Bredis when he won season two of the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament. And he had a very close fight with Alexander Usyk in the first season. Close loss to Usyk, who is no less than the second best cruiserweight of all time. So Bredis is clearly the best cruiserweight in the world, yet the WBA is going to sanction this fight between the guy who hasn't fought in about two and a half years and another guy who is... Uh, most of his opponents I would beat, and I'm a weekend warrior chump that just hits the heavy bag and, and does a little sparring for fun. I'd beat most of the guys he's fought. They're fighting for the WBA Cruiserweight title. So Will Belt Anything continues to be the laughing stock of the sport. And I have nothing against anybody at the WBA personally, but this sort of thing cannot be defended. If you're defending this nonsense or you're justifying it in some way, you're part of the problem. Okay, rant over. I just, I can't believe those are title fights. That is an absolute joke. Saturday, January 30th, Shrine Exposition Center in Los Angeles. 
By the way, I lived in L.A. for two years. What the hell is the Shrine Exposition Center? Did, did they change the name of some place or something? I don't know. Anyway, PBC on Fox, the battle of the Calebs. Caleb Plant, 20-0, 12 knockouts, going up against Caleb Truax, 31-4-2, has not had a top win in over three years. This is for Plant's IBF Super Middleweight title. So let's talk about uh, Caleb Truax real quick. Quality fighter. At his best was a legitimate top 10 super middleweight. But as I mentioned just a second ago, uh, doesn't have a real top win in the, in, the, in the division in over three years. And that was against, uh, I think it was a majority decision win over James DeGale. The first time they fought, I want to say it was 2017. Yeah, 2017. And other than that fight, Truex is a guy that loses when he steps up against the top level of opposition. There's nothing wrong with that. He's just not quite at that level. Other than that DeGale win, which was the win of his career, that was the night of his life in boxing. Other than that, he always loses when he steps up, and he's going to lose against Caleb Plant. I think that's a given. Caleb Plant, good story to him, although some of it refuted by his ex-girlfriend as it relates to his daughter. When I did a story on Caleb Plant in Ring Magazine, uh, some of my research led me to some – work that another journalist had done and that led me prompted me to uh, interview a few people and they would not talk to me on the record but some of the things that I was told is that some of the story as it relates to Caleb Plant and his daughter who passed and his ex-girlfriend some of that's a little made up they're leaving certain things out and adding other things that didn't necessarily happen I cannot substantiate any of that I wasn't there but that's what I was told by certain people anyway it's a good feel-good story even if it's been manicured and massaged a little bit. On top of that, um, you know, he, he had uh, health issues uh, with his mother, and his mother, of course, died uh, in tragic uh, circumstances. So uh, that's, you know, a feel-good story to see Plant come back from all that tragedy and do well for himself. You, you want to root for a guy like that. He has a beautiful wife, Jordan Plant. They're kind of the first couple of PBC boxing. Uh, great couple, beautiful couple. You can tell they're very much in love, and you just want to support them, you know? So Caleb Plant's a good story. But Jose Uzcategui, that was about two years ago, and he beat him. I believe that was in Los Angeles, too. That's about it. This is a sport about what have you done for me lately. The IBF, who gave Josh Warrington shit, right at the top of the show, I talked about that, right? Didn't want him to fight uh, Gary Russell Jr. or Shu Khan in April. Refused to sanction that fight. Here they've let Caleb Plant fight Mike Lee, Vincent Feigenbutz, and now Truax since beating Uzkatagai. That's a pretty weak run of title defenses. It is time to shit or get off the pot for Mr. Caleb Plant. I say that as a guy that, you know, he's a young American undefeated fighter. I want to see him do well, obviously. But after this fight, which he should win big, if this thing goes past five or six rounds, that's a, I'm not going to say it's, it's a loss for Plant, because obviously it's not, but it, it's kind of a moral victory for Truax. Uh, he's supposed to get blown out in this fight. So if he can go into the middle rounds or even last the distance, it's a moral victory for Truax. Plant's got to take care of business and win big and impress. Uh, during the NFL games yesterday on Fox, there was, I think it was the NFC game between Tampa Bay and Green Bay. They did a quick commercial, maybe it might have been like two or three of them, for the plant fight. They, and they promoted him. 
And they said, and I mean, they were reading a script because Joe Buck has no idea who the hell Caleb Plant is. But he said, one of the brightest young stars, a future star in the sport of boxing. I mean, they put it right out there on a silver platter for him. He's going to take that and run with it and perform big this Saturday. But then after that, it's got to be David Benavidez next. And it better not be at the end of the year, October or November. It needs to be in April, May, or June. That's when that fight needs to happen. I know it's going to pay-per-view. That fight will be Fox pay-per-view. That's just the, the way of the world now in 2021. If that's what it takes to get it done, cool. But those two guys got to fight each other because they haven't done much. They just haven't. And you got to prove yourself. You got to step up and fight the best. The winner of that fight between Plant and Benavidez would be the logical best choice for Canelo Alvarez to fight next. And that's how you up your paper, your dollars. You fight the best. If whoever wins, whether it's Plant or Benavidez, if those two fight each other, they can say, hey, I beat this guy. I beat this guy. I have a better win at 168 than Canelo Alvarez does. You need to pay me a little bit more if you want me to go fight Canelo, the man where he's going to control the situation. You got to give me a little more money because he beat Callum Smith. I beat David Benavidez. I beat Caleb Plant. That's a better win than Callum Smith. So give me the paper. Step it up. That's how you get the money, not by chasing for clout on Twitter. That just don't work no more. All right, guys, uh, man, that's it. That's it for the show. Um, good to be back. Let me get that fade out music going. There it is. There it is. Yeah, man, um, good to be back. So we'll be back next Monday, and we are rocking and rolling. TNC 2021 is underway. I hope that you guys had a fun dry January. <laughs> Uh, 2021, man, it's going to be a much better year than 2020 all around in life, but I think in boxing as well. So uh, have a good one, guys. We'll do it next week. I'll see you at the fights. <laughs>